Before we get started, check out ESPN and Anscape contributor Dominique Foxworth's podcast every Tuesday and Thursday, bringing his unique perspectives on football, the personalities that surround it, and just about anything else he finds interesting or thinks that you might. So check out the Dominique Foxworth Show. Listen where you're listening to this podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of DC and RC. I'm Daniel Cormier. That's my boy, Ryan Clark. RC, how you doing, my brother? DC, you been screaming, bro? You got you got the, the raspy bro, voice? Have you been singing Silent Night like the Temptations? What's up? <laughs> hey, bro. Hey. Dog, <laughs> I was at a wrestling tournament last Saturday. Then I went from Reno to Arizona for another wrestling tournament bro. on Sunday. So I did my high school, then I did my kids. <laughs> So the boy voice is just gone. Guys, coming up on the show, we are joined by the voice of the UFC, John Anik. We also hand out year-end awards, the DC and RC awards, the most prestigious awards in all in MMA. of the world. <laughs> hey, hey, Ryan, there is no award that is more prestigious than our awards. You know what? Let's start with one, RC. Let's start with the knockout of the year. This year was full of knockouts, Ryan. They had some tremendous ones. Molly McCann, spinning back elbow against Luana Carolina. We saw Michael Chandler front kick Tony Ferguson. Zhang Wei Li, oh my goodness. Marlon Vera knocked out Dominic Cruz. And Leon Edwards with the head kick heard around the world to win the welterweight championship of the world over Kamaru Usman. But for me, the knockout of the year RC was Michael Chandler. Kicking Tony Ferguson in the face as if he was Will Lutz of the New Orleans Saints kicking a 50-60 yard <laughs> field goal. It was crazy to see Chandler land this strike, RC. Yeah, DC, to me, what made it so amazing was that it wasn't your traditional front kick. This wasn't the Anderson Silva. This wasn't the 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 the, the Shogun Rua. It wasn't that type of front kick. This was something that was totally out of the blue. He drew it back from like like Reggie Roby that used to punt with his watch on for the <laughs> Miami Dolphins, and he hit him right under the chin. The fact that Chandler's toes don't break when he kicks Tony Ferguson in the chin is beyond me. And if you remember, Tony Ferguson had a good first round. It ended with Michael Chandler in top position after taking him down. And then the whole roof blew off of the arena in Phoenix when Michael Chandler landed this kick out of nowhere. Tony Ferguson falls face first. And by the time Tony Ferguson comes to, Michael Chandler has called his son into the ring, backflipped 16 times, and Bro. jumped on top of the octagon. It was absolutely nuts. RC, it was nuts to be in the arena, but RC for me, it was the fact that it's not something you can plan, right? It's something that you just kind of throw out there, seeing what happens, try to threaten them and scare them a little bit, but then it lands, and then Tony's face like almost melts like an ice cream cone on a hot summer day in Louisiana. Bro, the way that that meme of his face, like it showed the impact of the kick landing, Bruh. and as they have ran that, that clip twice... You see it almost like melted his entire face. It went up from, so yeah, melting that was, is like the ugh. wrong term because it actually pushed everything up to make his face look like it did. It was crazy to see Chandler get that knockout. 
And once again, that knock on RC put him into another big fight as he fought yeah. uh, Dustin Poirier in Madison Square Garden. So not only did he win by knockout of the year, it also earned him another big opportunity. So congratulations to Michael Chandler, the winner of the DC and RC Award for the knockout of the year. So DC, <laughs> RC, and MC, yo, we keep it in the family, right? <laughs> Hey, one more time. Listen, and the, the great thing about mixed martial arts and the, U, and the UFC is that it's not just about strikes. You can also be submitted. And this brings us to our next category, which is submission of the year. And we have some great nominees for this and some opportunities to give some people their shine, whether it's Paul Craig with his triangle choke, Jessica Andrade with the arm triangle on Amanda Lemos, Charles Oliveira rear naked choke. Yuri Prohaska finishes and wins the title over Glover Teixeira. And also we saw Zhang Wei Li with her real naked choke and her second nomination here for Carla Espaza, Esparza. And da 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 My winner is <laughs> Jessica Andrade and her arm triangle of um, uh, over Lemos. It, for, for, for me, DC... What was so crazy about it was being a novice and being a fan, I just didn't think that it was going to be enough leverage, that it was going to be enough power for Jessica Andrade to get her out in that position. And the way that that fight was going, the way that she dominated over Amanda Lemos, who we know is a vicious striker, was absolutely crazy to me for her to have the, the, the understanding, the skill, the technique, but also the strength to submit her in that way. That's why it's my pick of the year. I agree with you. I agree with you 100%, RC, because the reality is this. Amanda Limos is one of the best strawweights in the world, and she has shown that since losing that fight to, uh, to Jessica Andrade. But it also yeah. showed you that Jessica Andrade coming back down is so physically gifted. We have seen her throw people on their head time and time again. Heck, when she won the yep. championship. She knocked out Rose Namajunas like belt. that. Yes. Yeah. So it's like she's so strong that when she got Amanda Nimosh in the standing uh, arm triangle, I was like, "What? wait, 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 it's over. It's over. Because to generate <laughs> that type of power from right. standing is, it's unheard of. And to watch something, for as good as those other submissions were, it wasn't like that. That is one of those times where you're, you're surprised, but then you realize who she is, and why she was able to do what she did. Well, I think that's what we love about this sport, though, DC. It's so many ways for you to be spectacular. It's so many ways to be explosive and put on a show. And that's how we can now move to fight of the year. And there are so many different nominees this year that we probably couldn't even get them all on one nominee card. You have Gilbert Burns and Hazma, uh, Hamzat Chemaev, Charles Oliveira, Justin Gaethje. We got Glover, Yuri, uh, Matt Snell with a great comeback to win that fight and obviously Michael Chandler and Dustin Poirier and so now DC when you're looking at these fights are you getting a little bit excited or maybe even a little bit of nostalgia and remembering what you were doing with watching them and so I'm going to give it to you so oh I get to get it Corporate Jake just told me and the fight of the year for me is going to be Yuri Prohaska and Glover Teixeira I thought I was passing it to you DC but this is how we do TV I love this fight because there was so much back and forth and it was also the story of Glover Teixeira the ultimate gentleman against Yuri Prohaska 
the ultimate samurai, the ultimate warrior, the ultimate fighter. This thing was back and forth. It was on its feet. It was on the mat. And for Yuri Prochaska to me, really snatch victory from the jaws of defeat by that submission over Glover Teixeira, who is amazing on the ground. It was one of those fights that I thought truly exemplified what mixed martial arts is, what mixed, mixed martial artists can do, and what the UFC has given us in saying that at any given time of any fight, a fighter has a chance to win, and Yuri Prochaska proved that. RC, uh, you know, before, I, I agree. It was the ebbs and fools of that fight in Singapore was crazy for Yuri to win the way that he did. It was a result that you didn't expect. If anyone was going to win by submission, it was going to be Glover Teixeira. But I have to disagree, RC, because this one, for me, was my fight of the year. Matt Schnell versus Suma Darji on ABC. We had the yellow jackets on. Yeah. It was the wild world of sports. And this dude, Sumadarji, had Matt Schnell hurt over and over again. He was pausing him every time he hit him. Schnell would almost stop in place. But then Schnell gets on top of him and just starts to beat him up and gets the finish. It was the most amazing fight that I saw all year. Unfortunately, R.C. Schnell came back before the end of the year and he got knocked out. But I think that what he lost in that fight with Sumadarji should have made him recognize he needed time away from the octagon before he came back. Because after going through a war like he went through, you can't rush back into the octagon. But for me, that time, that fight on Long Island, or see, you know how I say on Long Island, right? Not in Long Island. <laughs> but that fight on Long it's Island, island. <laughs> showed me, yeah, made that Sumadarji match now the greatest fight of the year to me. And honestly, I think that they, these guys will be collecting a lot of awards over the course of the mm. year because that fight was so tremendous. So congratulations to Matt Schnell for winning the fight of the year, but also Sumadarji for being involved in what was an instant classic. And that fight on Long Island was absolutely nuts, but we also have one of the best in the business that is octagon side for almost every one of these events, and that's John Anik. And he was absolutely phenomenal throughout the entire year. Let's hear a little bit of John and what he gave us in 2022. <laughs>
<laughs> I just got excited all over again. But we get an opportunity to announce our commentator of the year. And it was Daniel Cormier, but I erased it because it is John Anik, <laughs> and I would not allow it to be any other way on DC and RC. That would be blasphemy if we ever did that to the man, the myth, the legend. DC. And I believe you tried to write your name on there, but I got it right, John. I, did, I, did, I made I did, sure I that it I was did, rectified I did. I did, before you got on the show, brother. <laughs> you know, here I am yeah, thinking I did, I'm I joining you for our annual little conversation, year-end awards, right? And RC bestows me with the first piece of hardware I have ever received in the mixed martial arts space. So I appreciate that very much. As soon as we get off the air, I am ordering myself an authentic Pittsburgh Steelers Ryan Clark jersey. Thank you for the trophy, uh, but we all know DC's name's going to be on that trophy by the time the show's finished. But thank you, boys. Thank you. John Anik. John Anik, man, I have been so blessed to sit next to the octagon with you in these moments. The way that you are able to stay in the moment when Joe and I are going crazy, the way you are able to yeah. a fight. I understand that you're professionally trained, John, but how do you how do you keep yourself from just going off the rails, right? In that moment, I understand that you always want to make it about the fighter. That is one thing you do. You are professionalism at the highest level. There's never been a yeah. guy in the game like you. But how do you, you lose it with your movement, but your words always huh. cap it off the exact <laughs> Look at that picture. <laughs> well, thank you, champ. I mean, you know how much love I have for you. Obviously, you and I have talked off the air about providing the historical soundtrack for these moments. And when Jan Bohovic and some of these champions go back and show those seminal moments to their kids, you want the soundtrack to be something more than maybe just a little soundbite that's, oh, or it's all over, right? You want it to maybe have some context. So that's sort of my focus in those moments. But you just saw, right, even the Leon Edwards knockout of Kamaru Usman, right? I'm looking at you, DC, right? I'm almost conversationally saying, <laughs> yeah, but that's not the cloth from which he's cut. I almost missed the knockout. So- Dude. You know, I, I was better to be lucky than good in a lot of situations. But no, I mean, obviously, I take my job very seriously, perhaps too seriously. Like, I got notes for DC and RC today just in case, you know. I don't know. I just, I feel like I'm very fortunate to sit in that seat. But as it. you know, we work for a very demanding boss. And um, capstoning these championship moments is probably the most serious part of the job. So, you know, John, you mentioned the Kamaru Usman, Leon Edwards fight and you kind of look it to the right and talking to the boys and then all of a sudden seeing their reaction and understanding what is happening in that moment there was complete shock and awe on everyone's faces in the entire arena but for you what's the one moment that sticks out the most that you said is the moment from 2022 that I'll remember forever all right, so I have to give honorable mention, and DC's going to hate that I'm doing this, but to Carla Esparza and Rose Navajunas for arguably the worst championship oh. fight in UFC history. Like, leading <laughs> into that, bro, just hear me out. Leading into that fight was Michael Chandler knocking out Tony Ferguson. And then yes. we're charged with calling that fight over 25 minutes. So if you really want to know, my shock and awe moment was probably that one. But it's got to be either Leon Edwards or... I mean, certainly Islam Makashev in totality. I think this was like the crowning. So right. I will never think about 2022 without him. But what Leon Edwards did, it's as much about what Leon did and what Kamar Usman failed to do in that moment in terms of the history chasing and all the records that went away when it comes to Anderson Silva. And now we hear that Kamar Usman's knees aren't doing too well. He's having a hard time walking downstairs as he tries to sort of right this wrong and 
get back to this rematch. I mean, they announced the March 18th show, but we haven't heard that this fight is going to be the headliner. So this moment to me is one of the biggest singular wins in mixed martial arts history, certainly a signature win for Leon Edwards. But you can argue this is the, the biggest singular win in MMA history because of what Kamar Usman was chasing. So for me, that was the shock at our moment. And uh, I kind of missed it, as you saw just moments ago. <laughs> John, you know, you're talking about Leon Edwards making history and winning one of the toughest and most accomplishing something so daunting. This year to me felt like the year of the underdog. Did it feel like to you that these guys that we never expected or the guys that clawed and scratched their ways to the top finally got their roses because we had Leon Edwards. Alex Pajeda obviously mm -hmm. did it very quickly. Even Carla winning the belt back from Rose Namajunas being so underappreciated over time. Is that what this year felt like for you? Where when we go yeah, into these I mean, title fights more than ever, you're like, the, the challenger has a chance. <laughs> there's no doubt about it. And you can even look what Tyler Santos did in a losing effort to Valentina Shevchenko, right? And she was certainly lauded for that performance. And uh, we'll see how she fares in 2023 in terms of getting back on that trajectory. But I do think thematically you're onto something. And I think if you look at the year, even if a lot of the favorites in the red corner was cashing late in the year, I think we had a lot of underdogs come up big in championship settings. And uh, it was a wild year. You know, some people say it was sort of like the year for the Abbott fans. When you look at a lot of these pay-per-view headliners and main events, maybe it pulled out the, the more Abbott fans for guys like Charles Oliveira and Islam Akashev that are increasingly becoming household names, but aren't necessarily the half a million pay-per-view guys just yet. It was a big year for the promotion, and I think it laid the foundation for, for a huge 2023. John, I love what you said earlier about giving some context and historical context to, to guys like Jan Bohovitz. When they get an opportunity to share their history with their family, you don't want it to just be that, oh my gosh, I can't believe he won type of moment. And you've done a great job of understanding these storylines, giving historical context to them and bringing in the entire world on what you've studied, what you've learned, what you've experienced and what's happening right before us. When you look at some of the storylines of the year, what would be your top storyline? What's the biggest storyline of 2022? You know, it's almost harder when you do your homework, right? Because Alex Pereira has that 3-0 and that not a lot of these guys have, right? If you look at Islam Makashev, 2-0, how does that stack up? Because some of these award categories can sort of dovetail together when you talk about fighter of the year, or biggest storyline. I mean, again, I think most people, if they have a decade removed, they're going to say that Leon Edwards was the story of 2022 and not Alex Pereira. But as I sit here right now, the crowning of Alex Pereira, and if you know the depth of this story, you know that even though there are financial gains to be had, Alex Pereira set out on this pursuit because he wanted to beat out Asanya in an MMA setting. That was the goal. Now, Izzy was the undisputed middleweight champion and one of the greatest middleweights of all, all time when Alex Pereira finally realized that fight. But this was a methodical plan by Alex Pereira and his team to get back to this fight. Obviously, they go 3-0 in 2022. I thought the Bruno Silva fight was great in terms of laying the foundation for what he could accomplish. Look what he's done to Sean Strickland and how that has gracefully aged in terms of Strickland not being put away by, by next in line, you know, Jared oh, Cannonier most Kenanier, recently. Right, so, yeah. yeah, exactly. So to me, Alex Pereira for sure. And then an honorable mention to DC's guy, Islam Akasha, because even though these mm. Russians seemingly are immune to pressure, ice water in their veins, 
you still got to do it, right? And I'm not sure that any non-champion has had as much pressure in UFC history to become a champion as Islam Makashev. And you know what? He did it with flying colors and beat a guy in Charles Oliveira that nobody could beat for half a decade. So Islam's got to be mentioned in any sort of long-term 2022 yeah. conversation. John, I'm so happy that you said that because that's going to be my storyline. Don't do this. And I knew Ryan would be like, oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go, right? He always does this. I can't yeah. say anything John, about Mahashev. As you were saying it, John, I, <laughs> as you were saying it, I wanted to go take back all my tweets about how great you were, right? I wanted every time I got <laughs> I sat in my house and I tweeted out, oh my goodness, John's absolutely amazing. Now I'm going to tweet out as this show airs and be like, you know what, guys? I may have overstepped a little bit when I talked about how great John Anik was. I was a little wrong. Hey. Well, hey, RC, I just want you to know my family are diehard football fans. So rest assured that my mom appreciates the Ryan Clark support for her boy. So you can keep it coming, man. Absolutely. But but so my uh my uh my story was Mahachev because like you said, John, uh it was like the prince was finally crowned, right? It was like Simba becoming the the, the huh. king. Because when Habib walked away, everybody figured at some point that belt would belong to Islam Mahachev. And after having an opportunity to not only win, but to win in the fashion that he did, it was amazing to watch as a friend, as a teammate, and also as someone that just loves the sport of mixed martial arts. The immense pressure that this kid has been under for so long was finally relieved, and he realized, uh, he, you know, becoming the lightweight champion of the world and really looking like a guy that can bring stability and be atop that division for a really long time. You know what, honestly, what my storyline of the year is going to be, DC, and I know this is probably not like a great storyline, is going to be the light heavyweight division. The light heavyweight division truly being in flux when for so long it was about Daniel Cormier, it was about John Jones, it was truly the glamour division of the UFC, the one that you could count on that there would always be a great champion, and along with that great champion, be a host of contenders that were vying to take that spot that just couldn't seem to do it. And now that we have Glover, and now that you have Yuri Prohaska, Jan, Jan Bohovitz, and you have all of these things going on, the unceremonious end to the year of the title vacancy that now we'll be marching into 2023 and it's going to be about Glover Teixeira and Jamal Hill and whoever can win that fight that now becomes the champion. It's almost as if the light heavyweight division in 2022 was at consistent unrest and never had any peace, never had anybody atop of the mountain that we believed in. And to me, that's one of the largest stories when I could always and always felt like looking at that division, I knew who the guy was, I knew who the people were chasing them, and it was always going to be a battle for that spot. That was the crazy thing to me. And like, John, you guys, you guys unfortunately are like the envy of my life. Right. I get an opportunity in the offseason. I get to go to like International Fight Week. I get to catch a couple of other events. But you are always octagon side for some of the biggest fights in mixed martial arts history. This year, you were in some amazing stadiums, amazing arenas. What was the best crowd of the year for you? So as a viewer, and this is not my response before everybody in the back starts rolling B-roll, right? I was not in Paris, France, but certainly to me, watching from afar, that crowd for Cyril Ghosn and Tai Tuivasa, UFC history first show in France, seemed to be absolutely electric. Certainly, you could argue Long Island for UFC on ABC, but I'm going right here in the state of Florida, the Sunshine State. You might not even have B-roll for this. UFC 273, 
backdrop Jacksonville, Florida, Duval County. These people made noise from the outset, as they do, (laughs) you know. And we had nine decisions this night, right? We had some great fights, obviously, Hamza Chimaev and Gilbert Burns, right? But DC can attest, right, being in the building. The Floridians make noise, and perhaps that's because we're starved for UFC shows the way Nevadans are not, right? But certainly in the COVID climate, Jacksonville was where we got our feet wet, and it's where we have returned every year since. And again, when I was charged with coming up with an award winner for crowd of the year, I was like, where was that show in Jacksonville in April? And I was like, yeah, we had a lot of decisions. You know what? Had a lot of people making a lot of noise per capita. Crowd of the year, UFC 273, Duval County, let's go. Fresh off of a win against the Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, RC, you see what he do, RC? Yeah, you too. But see what he do, RC? Jacksonville is a backdrop. Duval County. You see, he always kind of set the stage. But listen, J- RC, he does that when we're just talking. In real life, he does that same type of thing, right? So it's like, I'm just kind of <laughs> He's always on like, TV. All right, all right. He, yo, he draws me into the conversation. I absolutely love it. But, John. I can't believe we missed this one. Columbus, Ohio, my brother. Columbus, Ohio was crazy. The arena from the very first fight was completely wow. full. This was a fight night with Curtis Blades versus Chris Dawkins as the main event. And this place was rocking from start to finish. You had the former champ, Steve Miocic, in there. And the arena was completely full in Columbus, from fight one to the end of the night as Curtis Blades beat Chris Dawkins before a fight night to be headlined by those two guys. Maybe they're not household names. To have that type of energy from fight one all the way to fight 12, unbelievable. I'm going Columbus, I'm going Columbus Ohio. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm uh-huh. sorry. I was going to spell it out. That's a Coach, coach no, LeBeau do used to do it all do the it, time. Man, don't do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Hey, listen, John, thank you so much, man. Anytime we get an opportunity to have you on the show, what we do exponentially gets better. Just like every time you're sitting next to the octagon and you get an opportunity to call these fights, which are always legendary because you are a part of it. What, DC? RC. This boy got that. He got the one more sleep shirts in all the towns that we go to. He's wearing the Phoenix Sun right now. The way the Suns are playing, yeah, go put that thing. Hey, Ryan, the way the Suns, I, I saw the Suns get rolled the other day. They got rolled the other day, dog. Bro, I know, I should Deep Book just my went for 55, Cormier. though. <laughs> Deep hey, Book just went for 55. I appreciate you guys more than you know. And Ryan, obviously, your your support from afar has meant more than you could possibly know. Thank you guys for having me on. DVR set for ESPN2 all day, midnight Eastern. Thanks for having me. And uh, hopefully you call my number in 2023. I'll show up prepared, boys. All right? Yes, sir, man. Appreciate you, man. You have a great day. Now, D.C., he was absolutely phenomenal, but in 2022, we saw some female fighters, again, the best in the game, put their name in the hat for Female Fighter of the Year. We have Amanda Nunes, Valentina Shevchenko, and obviously newly crowned champ once again at strawweight, Zhang Wei Li. Who do you think, D.C., is your Fighter of the Year, except for, you got to wait for me to go first, and I'm going to go first, and I'm going to oh go goodness, with Wei Li, and here is why. Here is why, D.C., It's not just what she did in winning the title back 
from Carla Esparza. It was her second fight in the spinning back fist when we saw her against Johanna. And what was a war the first time was absolute domination. And then to go into a fight against Carla Esparza and end up submitting her, beating her at her own game, truly showed what type of explosive fighter she was, but even more so the well-rounded champion that Wei Li is. And to me, that's why she deserves female fighter of the year. Can I just say something, my brother? Can I just say something, my brother? Oh, my boy has come so far. Hey, my boy, hey, you've come so far in the game, my brother, because last year, you might have just picked the obvious, right? You would have went Carl, you would have went Amanda, but boy, you've come so far. I love Amanda. Like, you in the game, RC. You in the game, my brother. <laughs> my brother, all everything you just said is exactly why I chose Zhang Wei Li also. Because we have three women, right? That are two women. Valentina and Amanda, who we could give the female fighter of the year to every single year. It's like the LeBron James thing. How many years should LeBron James yeah. have been the MVP? Probably was the MVP 10 or 12 times over the course of his <laughs> yeah, career. Yeah, for sure. But instead, they were giving it to other guys. Zhang Weili showed this year that she puts herself on that level. She puts herself in that tier of fighter that can be considered the female fighter of the year. Her domination over... Yoana Young Jacek in Singapore. She beat her with the wrestling and just dominated and controlled her. And then she goes out there and she dominates Carla Esparza. You know what's crazy? Going into the Esparza fight, we spoke about this off the air, and it felt like, man, this feels like a bit of a mismatch. Like, if Zhang Weili fights to her potential, Carla's going to have a really tough time staying with her. A lot of times when somebody expects, when people expect, that's why they call those football games trap games, R.C., when you're expected to do something, sometimes it's the hardest thing. Not only did Zhang Weili win, she went out there and she dominated that fight to become the champion. And it looks like it's going to be very difficult to get that belt off of her. Yeah, and I think one thing about this, DC, is when you have a comeback like she did after losing to Rose Namajunas two times, it's very difficult to get the crown back. And she was able to do that in exciting fashion. But on the other side, we have the male fighters of the year, DC. And it was a special year for a lot of these fighters. We have Alex, we have Alexander, we have Aljo, also Islam, Mahachev, your guy, and Leon Edwards. DC, of these fighters, who is your fighter of the year for the males? You know what, man? I, I, Alexander Volkanovsky looked amazing. Aljo did. Islam did. Leon did. They all did. But my fighter of the year, 2022, has to go to Alex Pajeda. Alex Pajeda, a guy that was 3-0 this year, but he only has about seven MMA fights, is the UFC champion. And not only did he win three fights, but RC, he won and beat many a person who many consider one of the greatest middleweights of all time, a person who was right on the verge of tying Anderson Silva for a win streak in the middleweight division, a person who we were talking about in historical terms. And not only did he beat him, he beat him in a way that's, come to, that's become expected in their interactions. As he starts great, Alex wins in the end. For him to handle that pressure of becoming the champ that quickly, Crazy for me, my male fighter of the year, Danbury, Connecticut, by way of Brazil, Alex Pajeda with the knockout of Israel Asanya in Madison Square Garden. Amazing year for the champ. 
you know what, DC, you've come so far as well. You know, there was a bias that you would walk in here with every single day and be like, Islam, Habib, I love them so much. If I, I want to be from where My they're boy's from, right there. I want to fight bears. I want to fight bears as well. But finally, you come in and say that Alex had the better year. And he absolutely did. But I'm shocked with you, DC. Are you, are you even going to be able to get Habib on the phone? Is Islam even going to talk to you <laughs> nah, going nah. forward? Now that you've truly That's become an all-around MMA analyst and not this biased guy that thinks that, you know, that the American wrestling team is the best in the world, right? Because it's not kickboxing, <laughs> right? We all, we, all, we all know that. So we wait, all know it's not kickboxing. It, it's not that's, AKA, that's not it's what you AWT? guys do. It's AWT? It's yes. AWT? Yeah, it's the, it's American, the American wrestling, wrestling team. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's, not, it's not American Kickboxing Academy. It's a wrestling team, right? Because it has to be a team <laughs> because now you're, you guys aren't even teaching. You're just dominating. You're just getting people to the ground and absolutely <laughs> suffocating them. But I will say this, though, man. When you, you look at the year that, that, uh, that Alex had, or Alex, as, as he's called, or as his name is pronounced, it was absolutely phenomenal. And I'm a huge Izzy fan. Everybody knows it. I don't hide it. For four rounds, I was the happiest man in the world because I thought like he'd finally avenge his kickboxing losses to Alex Pereira, and he did not. And he finished strong. He was told he had to go out and get a knockout. He did just that. He fought a guy in Sean Strickland that's hard to even knock down, much less put him away. And he did it without any contest, without it being any competition. It was truly an amazing year for a man that has not been a part of this sport for a very long time. And to be on the top of the middleweight world is absolutely a phenomenal accomplishment. And that's why he's the male fighter of the year for me as well. RC, I grabbed this dude a couple weeks in Vegas. We had an appearance for Monster. This dude is strong, bro. But this dude can't do nothing else. We was playing golf. He can't hit a golf ball. He can't kick a soccer ball. But if he got a fight, <laughs> dude can absolutely fight. He's so strong, and he's such a sweetheart of a guy. Uh, a tremendous guy, tremendous champion. Congratulations to Alex Pereira on becoming the UFC middleweight champion. And more importantly, winning the DC and RC for Male Fighter of the Year award. RC. You know what it is, though. Year in, we got to step Ooh. fly. Ooh. Let's Dang. talk about uh. the flyest uh. outfits of the year, according to my boy Ryan Clark. Listen, we got to start out with Charles Oliveira. When Charles Oliveira walked into that arena, D.C., in that red suit, I felt like I was back in Lafayette at ULL for the Greek weekend. He looked like a big-time noob right here. Look at the glasses, D.C. Look how it's fitting. It's everything so clean. And then he came with the white or the cream pinstripe joint. And then he got the neck open on it, right? So it's not all tight around his hey, neck. Charlie He's Olive. all cool and all chill, man. I... I just love what this is doing. But I have another award for the Most Fly of 2022. I got the You okay. Tried Real Hard Award. And that goes to Kamaru Usman. Now, I get it, Kamaru. I saw yeah. you. I got to watch you in Wakanda forever, forever. I saw you with, with your, your big chest out and you had your little joint on your head. But you tried too hard for me. Put a shirt on, man. Why we got the shorts <laughs> on? And then you got all the chains around your neck, Kamaru. That weighs you down, brother. That doesn't allow us to see the fly in the red on your short jacket that you have on here that doesn't reach reach your waist. Now, Kamaru, yeah. can I beat you in a fight? Hell no. But can I beat you in a dress-off? <laughs> Absolutely. And so did Charles Oliveira. 
Hey, watch your tone, Jabari. You know what Kamaru said? Watch your tone, Jabari. <laughs> I, I got your tone, Jabari. Watch your tone, Jabari. And I was like, yeah, that's my, my boy right lines. But Ryan Clark, <laughs> he did, he did. He was talking. I couldn't believe they let him talk in the movie. But RC, <laughs> I got to give my award for Step and Fly because you fancy yourself a fashionista. So I went and looked at some of your looks through the year, your best looks. Okay. Here we go right here. Here's my number three. Ooh. Oh, we got that. Ooh. Ooh, we got that aqua coat. It's all that is happening. Hey, dog. That, this one here, beautiful, beautiful color. Look like you play for the Dolphins. Walk up in there with a nice blue tie with the pinstripe shirt underneath. That was week one. Okay. That was I week one. With, hey, I messed with this one, Ryan Clark. I messed with this one, Ooh. but it gets better. Look at the blue. Ooh. That's more of a classic look. Ooh. I enjoy Ooh. a more of a classic look. That was a nice one. And it looks like you're in a beautiful Manhattan hotel somewhere where rich people stay, the way that you're dressed right there. <laughs> but let's go to number one. My favorite look of the entire year. Oh, Ooh. look at the crimson. I mean, Ooh, look at I like color, that with DC. With the black, oh, Ooh, with the black shirt. In the, hey, RC, but listen. They don't really pay attention That's to the, the Gucci detail. tie, too, the pinstripes in the suit, That's though. the Gucci tie, look, oh, DC. But, R.C., look at the, look at the, pin, but look at the pinstripes Ooh. in the suit, though, R.C. I mean, there's a little bit. There's a little bit of pattern in there. R.C., step and fly. Guys, we ain't giving R.C. step and fly just because he think he can dress. We give R.C. step and fly because the man, man. puts together some pretty good outfits. But then here's my question. Who wore it best? I mean, who wore it best? Charlie Ooh. Olive? Hey, Charlie Olive? <laughs> or did my boy Ryan Clark wear? But y'all, that's why you like the suit so much, because y'all pretty much wore the DC, same exact I, suit. But our suit. I forgot about this, I DC. Say, I forgot RC, I wore that like, suit. Charlie just, O hey, might have me. Yeah, with you wear the same suit. Ooh. That's the tie. The tie made the difference for me. That's the only thing, but I like the pink shirt under the suit. I like the pink shirt, but Charlie Olive got the white shirt underneath with the black tie with the red glasses, RC. And then with the yellow That's hair, hard. I'm going with Charlie Olive on this one. I'll take it. You know what I mean? I'll take, I'll take a loss to the former champ. But just know, DC, I'm coming back again in 2023 even better than I did 2022, man. RC, Let's tap clean? in the RC, tap you out, was clean brother. this year, RC? I was clean. You, you was clean this year, RC? You know I was clean. <laughs> you know I was clean. Let's go. 2022 had a ton of great moments in the UFC, but it is hard to find one that topped our own DC being inducted into the Hall of Fame. RC, tap in or tap out. DC's moment was the best of 2022. I tap in, and I tap in over and over and over again. My entire family got to be in the building that night uh, when that was announced. Glenn just kept telling me, stay right here, stay right here. And even with Glenn letting me know there was a huge moment on the horizon, I could not have imagined that it would be any bigger than D.C. getting into the Hall of Fame. It was truly a blessing and an honor to be there for his moment that was well-deserved and well-earned. Yeah, yeah, that was my that was that was great for me, man. I I broke down. I broke down because I knew how much it meant, right? It's the perfect capstone to a career, to go into the Hall of Fame first year out of the game, right? It was like right away, uh, the first time we did another Hall of Fame ceremony, I got into the I got into the Hall of Fame. And everything that went into the career, all the emotional stuff I went through through the year, uh, personal, it was, it was just amazing to be honored in that way in Phoenix. It was awesome, man. It was awesome, and I'm so happy and proud for that yeah. accomplishment. That was my biggest year, Jake. So, yeah, good job, ESPN. Let's go. Give me the next one. All right, guys. Several weight classes in 2022 showcased some immense talent and had some incredible fights, but one seemed to stand above the rest. DC, tap in or tap out, the lightweight division was the best weight class of 2022. 
I think it was overall. I, I think it was overall. I tap in, but 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 hesitantly, because it feels hard for me to say anything was better than the bantamweight division. But lightweight was spectacular. But the one thing that would make me pause for a second is with Islam as the champ now, it feels like it's him and everyone else for the time being. At Bantamweight, it's just a cluster of killers. But yes, from from Gamrot to Saruki and to Mahachev to Benil Daryush to Michael Chandler, Justin Gaethje, Dustin Poirier, Fazeev, it it is just stacked from top to bottom. Uh, I do tap in, but I tap in hesitantly because I keep my eye on the Bantamweight division with the champ Aljamain Sterling. Yeah. Yeah, I, I tap in. Uh, the bantamweight division is great, but when you look at the lightweight division now with Islam on top of it, even with Charles Oliveira reigning supreme for a second or for the year, it was such a competitive but exciting weight class, and I tap in that that was the best weight class of the year. What's up, Corporate Jake? All right, guys, finally, we showcased a ton of viral phenomenons this past year, including phone booth boxing, <laughs> car jitsu, and many more. This is crazy. RC, tap in or tap out, phone booth boxing was the best viral sport of 2022. <laughs> you know what? I tap out on it. I, I, I do not. I tap out. This is not a sport that should be that's viral. That's the one. It is absolutely. It, that's, the, now that's the sport. The car fighting <laughs> joint. Jukarsu is the one to me that's the best. <laughs> you got it, DC. Hey, RC. Me too, RC. I tap out because it was the car jujitsu. Yeah. This boy got a whole seat belt around his neck, man. He's trying to right, kill right, him. Right. You <laughs> can't do that, though. <laughs> we don't even know the rules. We don't even know the rules, but it does not bro. seem like you should put the seat belt around this man's neck, bro. That's crazy. Bro, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that is the stupidest one. And there are some stupid ones we've Our, done, man. DC, man, first of all, bro, hey, remember, hey, I just want to say thank you for this year, though, bro. Like, honestly, man, yeah. 2022 was an amazing show for DC and RC. I feel like we grew so much, and I think you can even so tell much. by us doing this year in show as to last year's year in show. And you were not a UFC Hall of Famer when we finished the year last year, and now you are. So again, man, a huge congrats on that. So many changes in your family, and as a man, as your brother, as your friend, I'm so proud of the way you have conducted yourself, presented yourself, taken care of your family, and shown love for others, man. Truly an honor to be your partner. Thank you, my brother. It's been great, bro. Like to see how far you've come in this game, man. The way that you're you've grown and the knowledge and your commitment to the sport because you got a ton going on, bro. To make time to do the show, the show that you love, your passion show. This is your passion project for you to do it in it the way is, that you bro. do, man. I really appreciate it. Also, dog, that jacket, pretty nice right now, guys. Catch us every <laughs> Tuesday, ESPN, YouTube. ESPN2. We're going to be gone for a while, though. We're on schedule with the UFC, so we ain't going to be back till the second week of January. So rest, and you'll miss us. But happy holidays, everybody. Merry Christmas. Happy, happy New holidays, Year. Guys. We'll see you next year.